My name is W. Kamal Bell. And I feel cautiously optimistic, but not so great about being Conan O'Brien's friend. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the start of season three of this podcast. I cannot believe it's been three seasons already. It is just uh, flying by because it is honestly, no joke, one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, here are two of the people that add a lot to the joy of doing this job. Uh, I'm medicated, by the way. That's why I'm coming across. <laughs> that so that nice. explains it. My assistant, uh, Sona Mofsessian. Hey, Sona. Hi. How are you? It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Season three. It is good to be back. And uh, and of course, our uh, producer, engineer. Uh, you're not an engineer. You're a producer. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, extraordinary. Does a very good job. He's the maestro. Uh, I call him Matt Gorley. And I think that's because it's your name, It is right? my, yeah. You did it well. Oh. That's my name. I thought I thought I'd come up with a, like an interesting nickname. And then I later, someone told me, no, that's just your name. That's actually it, yeah. Well, it's good to be back. Um, I have to say, I don't know if it's because of, and I think maybe it is partially because of quarantine and everything, but also because I really love doing this. I didn't want to be away from it that long. Mm-hmm. It's it's really fun. And boy, am I jonesing to connect with people. <laughs> we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Tom Hanks. It's just kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. And some people might think, well, why wasn't that the start of the season? And I think it's because he's not a big enough star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We need to aim higher. Yeah, I was I am DB'd him, and it was like I guess I guess you've done stuff. Yeah, I'm still not sure who he is. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was an amazing. uh, That was just a treat for the middle of the summer. Awesome. uh, But I am really excited to to be back. Yeah, Uh, and I promise uh, this season uh, to be a little less filtered, a little less. Kind and polite to the both of you. Oh, oh. no. Uh, oh. Yeah. What a, change. what a drastic change. <laughs> oh, no. no, I. Uh, and I'm, we will be uh, not as respectful and kind to yeah. you. Our promise to you. Yeah. Your solemn oath <laughs> is that you will treat me with the contempt that I deserve. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I come from home. And and we're working uh, at Earwolf Studios here in Los Angeles, and um, no one's here. Everything's been cleaned. Uh, we're doing it very responsibly. And Gorley, you are not with me right now. No. Uh, and Sona, you are with me, but as f- you're more than six feet, which is the way yeah. you've always liked it. Yeah, I always like to maintain this distance. <laughs> at least, not even six, at least 10 feet. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I met Sona, she said 10 feet, please. And yes. that was 10 years ago, uh-huh. long before. So she, she knew something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, um, no, so it's really nice to be here. I, but it's funny. I get the same amount of, I don't want to say contempt, but sort of healthy skepticism from everybody. Yeah. So I'm at home with my kids. And my son is 14. And he's, everything is boomer, boomer. <laughs> Anytime I make a mistake, he's on me. And my daughter's really good at a, a kill you like side eye. <laughs> and they're not interested. And not long ago, my wife uh, wasn't in the house and I was there and I was in charge and I tr- tried to do a bit with them. And so I was like, kids, kids, let's get together. And I really committed to it. Come here, everybody, come here. And they both came together and they were like, what? And, they, and, and uh, my, uh, my son said, is this a bit or is it real? And I, <laughs> and I really committed to it. And I said, guys, no, I'm really serious. Look. And when I said, look, they both went, it's yeah. a bit and walked away. <laughs> And it was a bit. I was going to go on a long bit about how I don't feel that I'm being given the respect that my that your mother gets. And it, I wasn't serious, but it's because I put up my hands in a little bit of a a little bit of a tell. I put up my hands and went, "Look!" And they were both both at the same time said, "It's a bit," and walked their separate oh, they've ways. They developed bit dar. They have bit dar. Uh, I remember I, when my daughter was four, she said something like, I said like, well, I think we're going to have a really, this ice cream is going to be really good. And my daughter, who's four said, at the time, said, cut to, what happened? No. And I said, cut to. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I'm excited we're back. Yeah. And I'm very excited because today, uh, guest today is a uh, absolutely hilarious comedian and writer who is the uh, host and executive producer of the Emmy award-winning CNN series, United Shades of America. He's also the author of the book, The Awkward Thoughts of W. Kamau Bell, and has a stand-up special on Netflix, Private School Negro. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled he is with us. W. Kamau Bell, welcome. Okay, I understand cautiously optimistic because that should be anyone's approach to me. I understand that. Yeah. I've, but what do you mean not so great? What's that all about? I don't know if it's a real invitation, Conan. I understand it's a podcast, but I, I in this time of coronavirus and pandemic, I could use a new friend, but I feel like maybe this is just a hustle. But it's which is fine, but I just want to be prepared for that. If it is a hustle, it's my side hustle. <laughs> I understand. Oh, I understand. Uh, and I only know that term because Sona is always talking about her side hustles. And so I love that term. I mean, I'm always saying, why were you late? And she'll be like, I was doing a voiceover for an anime cartoon. Uh, it's my side hustle. And so, yes, my side hustle might be getting you to be my friend. Maybe I'll give you some new terminology. I will be your side piece to your side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know that one. <laughs> I've always dreamed of a side piece, uh, but, but no, I thought it was like a side piece of land that I would own that was adjacent to my property. And uh, So I would say to my wife, I really want a side piece, and she would slap me really hard, and I would say, no, the, the small plot of land near our home is for sale. <laughs> and I would like to move my girlfriend on to Yeah, it. yeah. And I want to... <laughs> what a great place for my mistress. <laughs> then I would get slapped again and I would say, I don't understand what's going on. No, I'll tell you why I would like us to be friends. And I, I do say this uh, sincerely. I think we have a lot of things uh, in common. I really do. And then I started reading a little bit about your past and I found found out that in a weird way, you grew up sort of the way I did, meaning you were kind of unsure how you fit into the world. And if I had to say there was one thing that has turned out to be a gift in my adult life, it's that when I was a kid, I didn't have a niche. I didn't know where I fit. People would assume maybe for a second that I was a good athlete until I quickly tried to hold yes. the ball or do something with yep. it. And I, I and uh, and I kept thinking people would say, well, are you a, a full on nerd? And I'd go like, no, I don't think I am. Well, are you the Archie Andrews sort of popular guy? Not really. No. Are you good with the girls? I don't know. What do I do? I don't know who I am. Is, is that your experience a little bit or why don't you tell me? Uh, nothing of that is my experience. No, wow, you totally, <laughs> you totally destroyed me. <laughs> I was captain of the football team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually still play pro sports. I'm going to the NBA bubble. I'm starting for the Orlando Magic. I don't know how you didn't find all this stuff out. Oh, oh, here uh, it is. It's the second page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my, shit. My Wikipedia is pretty long. You know you what? Yeah, you know what yeah. I should do is I should look at the second page before I start <laughs> talking to people. That's on me. Me. I really apologize. Um, but <laughs> yeah. can you can you relate to the? Uh... No, I, I I'm an only child. We I moved around a lot with my mom, so I always felt like an outsider. And when I was by myself, I felt totally comfortable. But then when I'd be around other people, I would be acting comfortable. They'd be like, "That's weird. Why are you acting that way?" And so I learned to sort of like I got to keep this whatever this is. I got to keep it to myself. So yeah, I definitely was not the popular kid. But I was also not the straight A student, even though people sort of thought I was because I was quiet and bookish. But I was not like, you know, so I sort of I did have a like, I don't know where I'm going to fit in in this life. I wanted to be a comedian. But, you know, we're of that generation where it's like you couldn't Google what that was or how right. to do it. Right. So you just sort of was like maybe one day I'll accidentally fall into a comedy club. I didn't know how to, you know, how to make that happen. So. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what I went to college to be an East Asian studies major just because I liked Bruce Lee. Like there was just no, like, <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, that is the path to comedy for most of us. All of us got into East Asian studies and <laughs> yes. because of uh, yeah. Bruce Lee. And then because the next Lee. thing you know, uh, we're doing comedy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you spent some of your youth in in Boston, didn't you? I did. I was in Boston from around like four to twelve or so. Yeah, about four to twelve. So I I remember. I have formative years in Boston, but it's been such a long time that I was there. It feels weird to say that I was, you know, 
that I'm from Boston. I wouldn't say that. But yeah, I, I feel really good because I got to spend some time in some key racist places in America. Right, uh, so right. I know. So for my career, it's like it's good to have spent some time in Boston because it's like that's one of America. That's a specific type of racism there. So I've yeah. never heard anyone mentioned racism in Boston in the same sense. <laughs> that's why I don't feel great about our friendship. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no. Yeah, I grew up. In, I lived in Mattapan. I don't know if you know Mattapan. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I I uh, went to a public school and it was the height of the of busing um, when I was there. Uh, in the 70s and there was a picture um, that that you know when people talk about racism in Boston and I still go back to Boston because my parents uh, live there in, in Brookline and uh, I've heard people sort of almost kind of want to resist that that Boston had racial issues and I think the most iconic racist photograph of the 70s I know exactly what you're about to say I think it so. is in, it, it is it's as if a couple of uh, people sat around and thought for 10 <laughs> and thought for like 10 days and said, how can we enact the most racist scenario yes. possible? And I think, you know what I'm talking about, which yeah, is, it's, like, it's almost like Tarantino helped brainstorm it. It's like something from a Tarantino movie. <laughs> but you know what? If Tarantino did it, critics would say that part's too far fetched <laughs> and it's a real photo. And we're yeah. laughing. I mean, obviously it's horrific, but during the, during the, the height of the busing and, and, and fight fighting about race and everything, um, there was some kind of, demonstration or something in downtown Boston and this very well-dressed black gentleman, I think he's got a briefcase. He's a, a lawyer. He's, he, he's a professional. He's walk, he, he was walking through and this mob got, was really angry and two guys grabbed or three guys grab an American flag mm-hmm. and try and charge him and like try to stab him with an American flag. Now, I, I'm not sure, but I, I don't think he was hurt, but someone took a picture and, it, you know, won a Pulitzer. And it's like, yeah, two white Bostonians trying to <laughs> s- s- charging and trying to and using the American flag as a weapon against yeah. this man who's clearly <laughs> just on his way to work or back from work. And, yeah. I, and it, it is it is uh, I mean, it's, it's a disturbing image, but it's also it's so I mean, it's almost I mean, this is weird to say. It's almost beautiful in how perfect it is to go. Is there racism in America? Hold on. Have you seen this photo? Oh yeah. It's like it's, it sums it up in one image. And the fact that the photographer caught it because it's like the perfect moment. Yes. Oh, you are you looking at it right I'm now? I'm looking Sona? at it. Yeah. It's horrifying. Oh, Sona's looking it up. Yeah. And, but also it is the irony in that photo. And you do think, okay, if I encountered anybody who said, I don't think there's racism, I'd say, Mm -hmm. tell me what you see when you see this photograph. Mm -hmm. If they looked at it and went, well, they're just trying to show the man (laughs) the American flag (laughs) with the pointy end pointed towards him. That's just a coincidence. And they're trying to show it to him quickly because clearly he's a professional and has things to do. And you're like, fuck you. (laughs) No, that's when people ask, why did your family move out of Boston? I'd say, look at that picture. That's why my family moved out of Boston. (laughs) That's all you needed. No, my mom really did get sort of sick of Boston and that aspect of it because she felt like it's also so per, like so provincial there mm-hmm, that even yep. even the black people of Boston act like they came over on the Mayflower in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, even they're not really on my side. <laughs> oh, they look down at you. Look down at you because yeah. yeah, yeah, you're not a you haven't your family wasn't brought here on the boats when my family was brought here on the boats. So you can't come to my social gathering. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're supposed to be on the same team. I don't know about that so yes yeah, so we we moved from boston to chicago which was a which my mom literally was like i need to go to a, a blacker place where like where where the black people are cool and so chicago in 1984 was that place but you know it's also it's funny because i sense that we had probably similar interests you know growing like I, to me uh there's something about insecurity at an early age just not knowing what your niche is, not having a niche is really good for developing comedy muscle. Does that, do, yeah. do you agree with that? Yeah. I think feeling like an outsider in every place you're, every room you're in is a really great muscle is a really great way to develop comedy. Uh, Cause it's, you feel dysfunctional and there's ways to process that dysfunction and comedy is a great way to sort of balance out your feeling of dysfunctionality. Like it's a great way to go. If you can be funny, you can make yourself feel normal for a little while. So I right. talked about it. Like I really felt like being an only child is actually 
if all things being equal, if there wasn't a sense of like structure and society and caste system in America, only child would be the way I would identify myself. Because I feel like that's the thing that ultimately I feel like separates me from other people is that I grew up being my own, my own best counsel, my own company and feeling like I was always sort of on the outside of people, of other people. So, but you know, that's America doesn't, doesn't ask, <laughs> police don't pull you over for being only child, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> hey, let's hope we can get to that point. That's how we get to that. You know? Did you, did you get to watch only the TV you wanted? Did not have to share. Step out of your car, sir. Step out of your car. Did you never have to fight for dessert? Please step out, out of your car, get out, sir. Get out. <laughs> Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's clear you never wore clothes that were worn by anyone else first. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. Back up. You know, it's funny you say that because um, the people that were supposed to be my clique were not my clique. What was your situation? Can you relate to that? Yeah. No. I can because I mean it's funny I feel like when I'm basically the same age as hip hop <laughs> like hip hop started around <laughs> the same time I was born and and sort of like so I got to I remember when like Rapper's Delight first went on the radio and I was like memorized every word and then weirdly I was like that's enough hip hop for me and I never really engaged again until like the 90s when I started but so when hip hop was really booming I was more interested in the Young Comedian special on HBO oh wow okay all right. Yeah, so I was just more interested in like I was like yeah th yes that's a good song by uh, NWA but have you seen Jan Karam's new set <laughs> on, uh... <laughs> I, love, I love that pretty soon after Rapper's Delight you decided I think that's it for rap I think I got it like I was like <laughs> also this isn't going any further it's a fad it's a fad there's no long term money in this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like Charlton Heston this isn't music uh... <laughs> you know it's so funny I always think of you as kind of like Charlton Heston in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's what we, you know, I am also a spokesperson for the NRA. Yeah. So uh, it, I just keep it on the low because it doesn't match with the- Do you ever, let me ask you something quickly. Do you ever, because uh, you have that, that really good comedy brain, do you ever fantasize about or or get tempted to do something that completely wouldn't fit what people think about you just, do you know what I mean? Like, I oh, will, yeah. I'll just register for the NRA just because it will yes. fucking freak people out. <laughs> and then I'll, I, and then I'll stick with it. I think most of being a comedian at some point is learning like, like, nope, that's not, you, that's not for you. That's not for <laughs> like, cause all the thoughts are equal at some point in your head. And then if you get lucky and have a career, then your career sort of goes in a direction. And some of those thoughts that you used to grab on just cause they were funny you got like, nope, I got to let that one go. You know, I got to let that I got to let that one slide. That's not I think about things all the time that I was like really committed to and thankfully never recorded anywhere. Like, you know, like, never, like, I would cancel myself. Like, like, I thought that was a really funny idea. Yeah, I was going to turn that into a song. Whoa. You know, so, yeah. So I, th I think that people don't really understand that, like, as comedians, at some point, it's all just material. It's all just sort of like clay that you're working with. But then when you have a career, you go, this is the clay that I sell. <laughs> this is not. And so but right. when I'm with my friends, we say all sorts of things that, you know, and that's why I think it's good to have those friends. That you can say all those things and they don't go, hold on. I got to go call TMZ. You know, they just, you know, they, they actually just let you be you. Right. Now, okay, I, I, you, you mentioned TMZ. Just before we got on the call, you mentioned that you, you um, had a run-in with TMZ. And well, this was actually, I, this was not a, like, I've had a run-in. Like, I've had a couple, like, a run-in, like, coming out of a comedy club. Uh, but this was actually an interview that I did for TMZ on the TMZ TV show. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, oh, you yeah. went to TMZ. I see. I've never done that. They invited that. me. You, they invited yeah. you. I didn't know they yeah. had a building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't well, aware. This isn't an office. This is an alley. <laughs> Uh, it's the best we have just sit on that chair that's a that's a box years ago i was doing a show in nashville and, and the show did not go great and i came out of the club and i was just like ugh. and outside of the club was some guy with the camera he goes hey i'm nick from tmz i got a couple questions for you and i'm like how bad is your beat that you're in nashville home of some of the biggest country music stars on the in the world uh -huh. and you were sent to kamal bell show like what and i asked i literally i was like i just feel bad for you i just right. feel like taylor swift uh blake shelton right. some guy named some guy named bubba there's all these people you could talk to and you had to the came to the w kamal bell show uh, yeah. So, but yesterday it was actually, I've been interviewed by TMZ. They call me for interviews like once when I'm promoting United Shades 
And it's weird. I was always afraid of like, why would they want me on TMZ? But they clearly use me as the like when you have a fancy meal and they give you the cucumber or whatever to sort of like clear your palate. It's like the like we're, we want to we they use me to have the smart conversations and they go back to the other shit. <laughs> you know, what? it's probably like there's a government mandated. There has to be at least 30 seconds of intelligence. Yes. In the show. <laughs> you know, you just found you just you just, you know, had, you just talked to Snooki while she was getting up off the sidewalk <laughs> wearing only a thong and throwing up and uh and so we've got to just quickly cut away yeah. <laughs> to come out and, i mean and then, and then like harvey levin's like come out how do we solve structural racism in america <laughs> well thank you for asking harvey uh and it's like he clearly reads reads the books and knows what's going on right but you know the, you can't ask those questions of uh you know uh one of those people whose names i don't know because i don't try to follow that stuff kardashian <laughs> It'd be great if you just started. You had an incredible deep knowledge. <laughs> I mean, it's quite deeper than I deeper than I want to admit, but uh, I mean, but it's not that deep. <laughs> I, I know which Kardashian is which. I did. I mean, I did an event. This was a like when I first got to CNN and did United Shades. There was like a Hollywood Reporter roundtable, reality television roundtable. And this was, I mean, this was years ago, and you'll know how it was years ago. I was they they called me to do it, and they said that like. Uh, Tony Bourdain was going to be there. And I was like, oh, well, I'll definitely do it because I hadn't met him yet. I'd had mm-hmm, this show mm-hmm, in the United States right. for a year. And I was like, great, I get to hang out with Tony. I haven't met him and I've been wanting and I've been a fan of his since before I had the show. And then I got there and it was a bunch of other uh, reality television people. And I got there and Tony is standing on the corner talking to the publicist from, from uh, CNN and she's this little tiny lady and he's this tall guy. And she's like pointing in his face, like, like clearly like, like sort of like, like browbeat, like looking like a teacher talking to a student who just failed. And I expected more of you. And he just sort of looks like, ah. Uh. And then I walk up like, hey, man. He's like, yeah, I got to go. And he leaves. What? And then I walk in and he just, he just does it. So he doesn't do the event. And I walk in and she's like, he, he had some previously scheduled business. And I'm like, I can tell a lie when I hear it. Uh, <laughs> and, then I, and then I walk into where we're recording the interview and I walk past like the green rooms and has everybody's name on a piece of paper. And one of them says, Chris Kardashian. And I was like, oh shit. Cause I knew he hate, he like hated the Kardashians. Right. And I'm like, he left cause Chris Kardashian, cause I didn't know Chris Kardashian was going to be there either. And I think she got booked at the last minute and he's like, I can't sit at, and I found out he was like, I can't sit at a table with a member of the Kardashian family. Wow. Right. And he just and so walked he, out and he just bounced. And I just thought it was one of the greatest things of all time that I would even now. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, wait a minute. Yeah. Greatest things of all time. All, t- all time. I have my list of greatest things of all time. <laughs> I want to hear the pretty, other greatest things yeah. of all time. Um, I had a good bowl of cereal this morning. The, the almond milk to pecan ratio is really perfect. I think I really nailed it. Um, <laughs> I have a bunion on my foot that's healing up nicely. Wow. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these beat uh, uh, the discovery of fire as a way to... 100%. Uh, okay. 100. I wasn't there for that, so maybe it wasn't that great. I saw Andy Bourdain leave a scene in publicist because he didn't want to stomach a Chris Kardashian. I saw that happen, and I was like... That dude is knows who he is, and I wish I had that much integrity. Anyway, I'm gonna go in there and talk to Chris Kardashian. <laughs> and uh, and at the end of this event, it was like me, RuPaul, her, her, some other people, uh, Leah Remney. Uh, Chris Kardashian gave everybody gift bags, oh. like which I was like, like handed everybody like and like was like. Wait, and, was and she's just invited. I mean, she's not hosting the thing. She's no, not- she's just she just she really just showed us all up to go. You didn't bring a gift bag. Wow. I brought gift bags and she had gift bags of like whatever Kylie's new lip kit was. She oh. had gift bags. Well, wait, for everybody. That's, that's not really a gift bag. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was it was makeup that was hard to get. My it father was, has a like, brick business. Here, here's a brick. <laughs> it's got my father, the name of my father's brick business on it. I still had not ever seen anybody hand out random gift bags that weren't a kid's birthday party or a wedding. So I was pretty impressed at the time. And she was like, give this to your wife. And I was like, how does she know I have a wife? Like they have like, do you have a dossier? Like, why oh do you? My God. <laughs> yeah, there was like, a, so. um, when we were, you were there too, when, when I did Bonnaroo years ago. Yeah. And the big thing there was, uh, there was this, um, big trailer and, and I'm trying to think of who it was. Was it like Dr. Dre or it was like a, Jay-Z. it was Jay-Z. Yeah. 
it was it was it was Jay Z had this giant tractor trailer truck that was all fitted out with air conditioning and everything, and um, people were invited to go in and they could pick out whatever they wanted. And I'm never like to take anything because I. It's very complicated, but this way I was, I feel like I have to write a note. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how it all works. The, and so uh, even if someone gave me like, here's a free coaster, you know, that says the name of their podcast on it. I then think I have to, uh, well, I can't get rid of it. I got to keep it. So it's all very loaded for me. So I was just sitting down in like a foldout chair nearby and they have this crazy security outside and there's a really long line and the security guys keep saying, Conan, come on, you want to come in, cut the line and you can, cause they recognize me want to come in. And I went, I'm, I'm good guys. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, it's, it's Jay-Z's. It's like all of his best shit and you can take whatever you want. I, I'm fine, but I thank you very much. <laughs> and I was in this really sad little chair sitting in the sun and they couldn't believe it. They had, they couldn't believe it. And everyone else's, and they were, they kept saying like, they yeah. talk to each other and go like, Hey, seriously, man, you should come in here. You could, you, there's like a car in here. You could have it. I, I, I wouldn't, I will decline at this moment. <laughs> we have family members you haven't seen in a long time in here. <laughs> Please just, just tell Mr. Mr. Z that I, I appreciate it and I... Uh, there are people in here who owe you money who have come to give you the money back. Someone here has your medication that you need to keep your heart beating. I... Uh, if you could just please again uh, tell Mr. Z that uh, uh, it just didn't work out Mr. Z but, but I do appreciate they just need your signature on a cure for cancer just write just write in here that will sign it and we'll have it no wait a minute wait a minute I love that you took us there I love that you have a cure for cancer but it can't be yeah. released until nope. I sign it we've got a notary waiting for you look we're leaning out of the booth we're leaning out of the place so that it's inches from your hand and we've extended a pen and if you just push the pen that legally I couldn't possibly a child in here is dying of leukemia oh my god also there's a make your own Sunday bar I just can't (laughs) so I have a question for you because you do must love getting to do clearly I mean just hanging with you I'm like okay there, there are comedy people who like to go off quietly in a corner and think about it and they're kind of shy and and then there's people I think like you and me who really love to just fuck around and mm-hmm. And then we would, we can, we, we love to riff like that mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And so yeah. where do you get that day in and day out? Because obviously uh, you have people that you work with, but do you have um, a group of really funny people in your life where you sit around and you can just generate ideas and, and come up with stuff. Yeah. And how does that work for you? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're not funny, then you're not really worth a damn as a friend of mine. Let's be clear about that. Um, <laughs> I just want to be, you can be smart. You can be righteous. You can be, you need to be funny. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I have, I think that like, like for example, one of my closest friends is a comedian named Dwayne Kennedy, mm-hmm. who I've known since I started doing comedy in Chicago. And one of the great things about my career is that now I can like hire him to like he works in United Shades. He worked on Totally Biased and he goes on tour with me when I'm when I'm getting my stand up act together. And really, it's just like and really on United Shades, basically, his job is to just sit in the van and talk to me while I wait to go talk to like the KKK. Like that's basically his job It's right. just like it's just sort of be around so I can stay loose. And so because otherwise, if I get to and also and we're not talking about the interviews a lot of times. We're just like riffing and talking. Right. You're warm. You're you're warming up. You're stretching. Yeah. You're just having yeah. fun. And yeah. and uh, I feel like the the funniest stuff often happens in the van, or mm-hmm. in the green room, or backstage. These things happen yeah. that are just absolute gold and that's what makes them special and it's really like for comics it's like legitimate you had to be there moments like nobody can take a bit from this nobody nobody's working on a bit it's just us sort of like like musicians having a jam session like we're just in here playing together yeah and you know and so for me that's the that's the one thing about like that when i think about what did i get out of this like you know because cop the showbiz is hard and it makes you crazy but like I definitely know that I've laughed more because of my chosen profession than I would have laughed if I hadn't been in this, you know? Right. So, and there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for that. Cause I do think it is a healthy thing to do to laugh. And now with my kids, like my oldest is nine, my middle is five and a half. 
they know the power of being funny. And so now we're being funny together. Yes. And like, you know, like it's just, and so now we have like bits that we do like that, like sort of like that is now fun on its own, even in a kid way. It's like, I'm like, Oh, like my, my daughter has now does the thing that comics who do comedy for like 10 years do where if I say something, she'd be like, that's funny. <laughs> without laughing yeah. without laughing I love that I love that that's funny like it's like some like some grizzled headliner in Topeka, Kansas you know what that's I've, a good one you know what I've thought I've always thought it's like a radiologist who, who's been doing it for 80 for 60 years just go, looking at it and going like yeah that's stage four anyway uh, but you know they can't they don't show any emotion they don't no, just it's like just, it just, oh yeah that's that's invasive that's stage four they'll die anyway um, oh my god anyway. there's a place that has really good creme brulee let's go there that's that's my daughter that's a good yeah but it's it's uh she laughs a lot but when she really like thinks like oh you really that's a that was a good one that was a good one (laughs) i'm just like i feel like that's you've already learned how this works it's about like actually sometimes you're like impressed by the craft more than you even want to laugh about it right i do think it can it can go too far like sort of like a wine sommelier it's like you don't even enjoy this anymore like it's just but i so i do think that you do want to be able to access the the laughter part too you know like do you are you noticing that your kids have different senses of humor like they oh yeah no we just talked about it the other day we talked about like how my nine-year-old really is getting into wordplay and that's where she will be like that's funny because that word means this but you said it like you know so she's whereas my five and a half year old is at that age where all you have to do to make her laugh is like sing a popular song and swap out keywords with the word but and that is all she needs. You that know what? All she needs. Some of us never left that stage of development. No, no, no. It's but she's like firmly in it. Like it's never that's like you know, I'm still in that stage, but I also like wordplay. She's like, nope, not the wordplay. Just sing let it go from frozen, but say let it but, let it but. That's all she needs. <laughs> There's so many ideas in comedy that we we think of and we're in this strange I mean strange we're in this we've been in this time for a while this the cancel culture of um, someone getting in trouble for something they said and or did they did that went too far and one of the things that I've always thought is well you do have to have almost like the room where they split the atom to create the heat to generate everything you need to have a room where you have a, where you're protected where you can almost literally say everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything and yeah. anything, because it's the way that comedy is made. I got a call yesterday from a uh, well-known comic who didn't really want to be associated with the idea, so I won't say his name, but he called me with this idea, and he was like, uh, Conan, I just got to tell you this idea really fast. I can't do it. You can't do it, because it involves uh, Hitler. And and I, went, and, he went, and I went, okay, all right, let's hear it. And he went, okay. It's the giant Nuremberg rally that's famous where you cut to the crowd and Lenny Riefenstahl shot it, and there's just... Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of Germans in neat rows and they're going crazy and the Fuhrer's giving his speech and it's beautifully shot and it's this iconic, horrible moment that shows you how much everybody was enthralled with Hitler. But instead, in whatever year it was, 1936, whatever, coronavirus is hit. So there's a couple of Germans backstage in the high command and they're talking. Someone's got to go tell the Fuhrer that because of coronavirus, instead of 7,000, you know, uh, crazily cheering Germans in the crowd, there's about, uh, there's about I want to say a hundred people all <laughs> distanced in the crowd and, and, and none of them want to go tell the Fuhrer. And then they, they find one sap. They're like, you got to do it. Otto. He kind of, and, he, and he's like, oh, I don't want to, he goes in and the Fuhrer is just real chipper. He's like, Oh, Otto, how's the crowd? <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, well, the crowd is, you know, and he never, he ends up not telling yeah, you, but right. I thought, Oh, that is a funny sketch. Uh, yeah, no, it's, there's those ideas where you're like, I wish I could do this on stage or I wish I could do this, but it's either not for me or I don't have a venue to do this in. And I think that like, that's what that's, that's about the comedy brain. Your brain is always working. And then you're like, I have to just share it with another comedian. So I know that it's actually funny and then I can relax. Then I can move on to not thinking about Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) What's it like to not think about Hitler? Um, No, but I think, I mean, people ask me all the time, like what's off limits. And I really don't think anything's off limits. I think it's all about delivery and also about who the comedian is. Cause like every time somebody goes, comedians can't say what they want to say. I'm like, 
Have you seen Anthony Jesselman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Jim Norton? Like there are comedians who say every who say the things that we think they're not allowed to say, but they've established that those are the rules of the game. If you're going to come through here, these these are the rules in, of engagement. And I so I don't want to be. I think sometimes people think I would be against those kind of comedians. I'm like, no, I'm for all of it. Just be honest about it. I think it really the problem is when comics who actually aren't about that life sort of bleed, sort of step into that and then they get pushed back and then they say, I can't say what I want to say. No, but you got to be able to take the heat. And Jesselnick and Norton right. and many other comedians can take the heat. You know, I think like uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a clip that went around of Joey Diaz from years ago on the uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast saying something that was like, you know, you know, just a comic being a comic. Say, and whether it's true or not, it's hard to know. Right. But he was saying something that if it was true is horrible. Right. And and so there was this effort to cancel him. And he I saw I've listened to his podcast sometimes. He was just like, how can you cancel me? Like, look at me. Like, he was just like, <laughs> this is who I am. Yeah, this is exactly who I am. This is the kind of comedy I do. He said he says he was joking, which, you know, that's a whole other thing. Right. But the whole idea is that is the whole idea is that you could he couldn't be canceled because he's like, this is the space that I take up. Yes. You know? and, and whereas like some comedians who when they get canceled, it's because, well, you don't really take up that space. Right. That's right. not really for you. Right. If you're a prop comic for yes. 25 years, if you're a Gallagher yeah. and, yes. and your joke is taking, you know, this person, ha- oh, tennis elbow, because you take out a mannequin yes. that has an elbow, <laughs> that has a tennis, oh a tennis racket duct taped to a mannequin's elbow and you go, whoa, tennis elbow. Yeah. And then you no. do, and then you do a 10 minute hunk on race that really goes yes. over the line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, that's maybe go back to the, to the props. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's, I think there's just a natural thing in comedy where we're trying to find the line and just sort of play with the line. And but I do think that, you know, the the idea of people getting canceled is also overstated. Yeah, it, you, it doesn't happen. People sometimes have to take a break. Like I just you know, it's funny. I just I'm doing all this press. I sat down to do an interview on Extra. Mm-hmm. Just go, oh, you're booked on Extra. And I sat down. And then the interviewer sat down on the Zoom call, and it was Billy Bush. And I was like, whoa, yeah. hey, man, <laughs> how you been? Like, right. so, yeah. <laughs> like, I just went, and I'd forgotten that he'd been rehired. It's like, who was more canceled than him? Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'm pretty sure Extra's not paying him by the hour. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he has, like, benefits and stuff. So right. I think I'm just saying, I just came here to say, I think Billy Bush is going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's my main. That's my main. Point. Really? So that's the whole point of the of the. That's, that's like the whole point of my career. You know what? Is, I think you're going to put that on your list of one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the greatest Billy things Bush. ever. That Billy and the, the okay. almond milk, and you know, it's all great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think there's. I, I don't think there's anything wrong, even with people trying to cancel someone. I just think that's that's part of where we are in society. And if if people want to give it a shot, and I've had friends who try to get canceled. I mean, Tucker Carlson tried to cancel me at one point. Uh, so. I get that. that I like, think I that think wouldn't that be an the, honor, though. <laughs> no, it was. It was. Believe me, I, mean, I bring it up every there, time I can. Is there a way you can get that in writing and frame it? No. I mean, <laughs> would be. Honest. I had a whole plan. Yeah. No, I had a whole plan this season of United. If this, if there wasn't a coronavirus, I was going to go to Fox News headquarters and be like, Tucker, I'm down here. <laughs> Let's talk it out. Let's hug it out. Uh, but, but, so I think that's just part of free speech. Is the like that's that's part of the pushback and people who didn't have access to their voices or couldn't people who are offended by things who couldn't get their voice out to say they're offended now can and i think that's part of the that's part of the price of free speech but i don't think as many people are getting canceled as people say are getting canceled the people who are really getting canceled usually involves like i don't know crime which i think is okay to cancel people over well that's for you and I, i'm not trying to i'm not trying to be controversial that's where you and i disagree that got really yeah. awkward in here i'm a kind of a pro crime guy <laughs> if you can get away with it i am a pro yeah crime no, i guy. understand you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that's this a, i mean my favorite literally my favorite comedian of all time is bill hicks oh of course yeah yeah so it's like i don't and i'm sure i mean you know wish he was still here i'm sure there's things that he said that like you know would get him canceled today and there's things that he said that i didn't even agree with at the time but i was like wow that's great writing and performance you know what i mean and so i have room in my heart for like i don't agree with that also it's funny but i think a lot of times right now people don't have room in their heart for i don't agree with that also it's funny yeah anything that um well it's it's called being uncomfortable Mm mm-hmm it's called tolerating discomfort. I, I sometimes think that's the maybe one of the big issues we got right now. Well, I think it's I think there is a sort of like there's also a power dynamic in place that I think is legitimate. Like some people are like, 
I've never actually been allowed to tell you when I was uncomfortable before. Right. So now that I have the ability, I'm going to tell you every time I'm uncomfortable because I didn't have access to telling you I was uncomfortable before. And that's making other people uncomfortable, which I feel like, yeah, but you were never uncomfortable. Right. Like, so like, <laughs> like, like, Wait a minute. This and business I think sometimes, of you telling me that you're uncomfortable <laughs> isn't going as well as I thought it would. <laughs> yes, and that's the voice they usually have. <laughs> I'm going to my wine cellar. When I come back, I don't want any more of this discomfort. <laughs> I will smoke my cohiba, I will have some brandy, and we will re-adjourn and have a different discussion. Let's have a discussion about something that's uh, more comfortable. Listen, I tried this thing about hearing what you have to say, and I, I think we've done enough. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so I think that sometimes that's what, there's like this weird, like, well, this person has never been had access to their voice, and they're excited, and they now do you've always had access to your voice right. but we can't act like these are like both sides are having a different are having a the both sides have a point here it's like i think that's the thing i also don't want to i don't want to look like i'm saying that either right well it's too late i mean i can cut this any way i want <laughs> that's true that's true we're gonna take out individual vowels and when it comes out you're gonna it's gonna be you saying i think trump has done a good job <laughs> <laughs> I think things in race are progressing too quickly. <laughs> too quickly. All lives matter. <laughs> Let's slow things down a bit. <laughs> I think that <laughs> most of these problems were solved in the 60s. <laughs> oh, please. I, this is us having a moment where this, <laughs> it's, I always love the thing that's so wrong. <laughs> I yes. can do. <laughs> I had a really and right now. My brain is like, yeah, my brain is like, nope, skip that. Yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, when we're friends, I will tell you those things. Like when, when we're friends, once I get a notarized document that says we're friends, I will then, I will then confirm. I, uh, yeah, no, it is. It, it is one of those things where that's a riff that you and I would go on for a long time, and if we if we weren't it would go much further if it was just yes. the two of us. Yes. But that's not bad. We got to go pretty far. Yeah. <laughs> no, we got, I, I feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good about it. I would it. invest I like major money in having that cut together and then inserting you saying that clearly altered and then me saying, uh, gee, I don't know. I, I'm, I can't agree with you. <laughs> I just can't agree with you. And so I'm the more sensitive and in, in, in a way, yes. in the more, yes. and I'm the one that's more in touch about race. And I'm like going, you know what? I, no, I don't think. I think there's more advances we could make. I disagree. Cole. I disagree. <laughs> I have to fundamentally disagree. I think black people have gotten plenty. <laughs> Awesome. The WB, the UPN, <laughs> six scenes of the Wayans Brothers TV show. Yeah. <laughs> Look, why can't you be happy with that? That's God. That's plenty. It was, it was plenty. It was a lot. It was a lot. For God's sake, <laughs> bitching about something, man. Yep. Um, always bitching about something. Okay, if we're gonna be friends, and uh, uh, by the way, it's ultimately. It's ultimately going to be your call. <laughs> I am, you have that I am control. I, well, you th I appreciate that, but I'm open to it. I'm the, you know, that's what. What are we doing if we're not building friendship? Um, yeah, Sona. Yeah, yep, that's true. Well, we're also there's going to be some ads in here, so we're making money. Yeah. Well, no, we got to monetize our friendship. <laughs> there's a there's a pandemic. What are we What are we talking about? I got kids. <laughs> now, can I ask you? Is your wife? Does your wife? Uh, does she? Is she a good laugher? Does she think you're funny? Yeah, the fir our, actually our first day we met, I ended up uh, getting a last minute gig at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, and the, so the first day we met, we were working on a theater show, and I was like, "Hey, lady, who I just met, who I think I might have some interest in, want to see me kill at a comedy club when I open with ten minutes?" And uh, so she came and saw me at, at the first night. She saw me do stand up and. Yeah, she's she's not only a good laugher, she's actually a good comedy writer and a good comedy mind. But I forget sometimes and somebody will compliment me on a joke. And I'm like, thanks. I remember when I wrote that I was and she'd be like, no, I wrote that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, 
that's when I say I wrote it. I remember when I heard you say it. Yeah. And then I told myself that I wrote it because I do funny. that except about having our children with my wife. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember, oh, no. yeah, I remember when I had these children. She's like, what? Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess it was your vaginal canal. We're going to be a prick about it. But anyway, when I brought forth yeah. this life using only yeah. my seed. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I've had three kids. I've tried not to be the man that says we're pregnant. We're pregnant. Yes, I, don't be, I don't be that guy. No, no, no. We're not pregnant. Yeah. I, we're having a baby. No, she is. I get access to the baby if I ask. <laughs> You get a text that you're allowed to. Yeah. I'm basically leasing children, in, but I, I, never with no option to buy. It's currently, she renews the lease on my kid. Yeah, you can hang out a little while longer. <laughs> You've been renewed. You just yeah, got renewed. Yeah. I've got a pickup. i got a pickup on my children. Yes. And we added a cute, another cute one because it was starting to get a little stale. We added a new baby. Like, oh, every so how show. many do you have? How many? Three. I got a nine-year-old, five-and-a-half-year-old, and a two-year-old. Two two-year-old. Which is, like I said, I was the only child, so to me it makes no sense at all. <laughs> right. I don't understand <laughs> whose idea was that. No, I've, my, I came from one of six, so we mm. we had, I assumed, we never talked about it, and I could just kind of assumed, you always assume that you're going to replicate your childhood, so yeah. when, yeah. after our, our second child, I said, well, when's the next one? And she said, you're not to touch me again. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop, walked out of the room. Um, but weirdly, there was another kid. Where'd that one come from? I don't acknowledge that child. That was, that was, <laughs> you're not to touch me, but your side piece. Uh, <laughs> it's property on the side of my yard is my side piece. I, I understand. I understand. Uh, I understand. You know. Um, no, I don't. I Like I say, my oldest kid, who's nine, is like half of an only child because for the first three and a half years of her life, she was living that only child life. Right. And then, and so she still remembers that. And so for her sometimes, when she has these moments of like, because then now is the oldest one, she has all the responsibility. And sometimes she's like, ah, and I'm like, yeah, I know. You had a good life. I know what you're experiencing because I lived that life my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people to worry about. Yeah. I don't know why you wanted to have all these kids. <laughs> you know, I, I like that you uh, went for it comedically uh, with your wife the first time you met her because I did the same thing with my wife, Liza, our first date. We got in a cab together to go um, and see a movie and I just went for it. I just, I, I did the thing I always do, Sony for me a million times. Yeah. I sort of mutter like Popeye. I go like, Bleh. and I'll do it in the cab and the guy would be like, so you want to go to 34? And I'd be like, oh, that'd be a good idea. And I make little noises and I do it sort of at a pitch where the cabbie can't, I don't think the cabbie can really hear it, but I was like, mm -hmm. oh, because I'm taking a right. Oh, that's a good. And, and Liza was like, what the, f she didn't say anything. She just thought, oh, yeah. he's fucking crazy. He's absolutely yeah, fucking crazy. Yeah. But I thought she needs to know now that this yeah. is the deal. Cause I was very interested yeah. in her and was already thinking this is the one yeah. Yeah. I need to show her my hideous scar up front. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this can no, that was that was the way it was with Melissa because I had had other other girlfriends who were like so because when I started doing comedy, I started dating a woman and she was sort of like waiting for me to quit, basically. Like right. when you get over this and then you can take over your dad's insurance business. Uh, which was actually a thing. <sighs> And then, and then my next girlfriend was like kind of into it. But by the time I got to Melissa, I was like, this is what it is. And so either come out with me to the comedy clubs and hang out and make friends with my friends, or I don't know if this can work. And she did all that. So she is like friends with a lot of comedians that I know and she can hang out. And so, and gets what the life is. I'm not living that life anymore, but I feel like she definitely like accepted and thought I was funny and would tell me when I wasn't funny and when I needed to work on that tag. Yeah, that's the part I can't tolerate. Uh, I want <laughs> collaboration. I like hearing honesty. Exactly. Uh, this is all yes. not uh, uh, ringing true to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, uh, I like the part where it's like people who have your best interest at heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the wine cellar again. People who want you to succeed no. and do better oh, and be a better version oh, of yourself please. and inspire you to be a better person. I am as God made me. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I like to hear really funny, a great job. There's no one like you. And then when it gets into this uh, territory of being honest with me emotionally, that's when I have to go go to my 
you know, seller and think oh. about things. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I think you keep me down to earth pretty much. Somehow. Yeah, I think everybody I, well, around you er, does. Everybody. I'm surrounded yeah. by people who... <laughs> <laughs> who constantly need that. In, interns on my show are like, hmm, well, maybe next time. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> You're a, a sophomore in college. <laughs> You're, oh, you know, thought this would be better. Yeah. Thought you'd be funny. Yeah. Anyway. You know, uh, I, I always look for optimism, and I know we're in this incredibly intense time. I do, and I. I hate it when people say laughter is the best medicine because I respond, no. <laughs> if I'm in need of, if I'm really sick, laughter is not going to do shit, you know? Yes. So I was yes. at this event and it was Norm, Norman Lear, the late Carl Reiner and, uh, and Bob Newhart. And I think it was Norman Lear at one point who just said, and, and I think it's like Norman Lear's maybe uh, 97 and Carl Reiner's 96 and um, Newhart's, I think he's only 44. He just doesn't take care of himself. Uh, <laughs> child genius. He was a child yeah. Yeah. And just really needs to get to the gym. Uh, yeah. But, no, no. Um, vegetables. <laughs> but they were all talking and they were all hilarious. And they're in their late 90s. And I, I think it was Norman Lear who said, I know it sounds like a cliche, but I've, in my profession, I've laughed every day. I've laughed really hard mm-hmm. every day and it is life-giving. And I really believe that's why we're all here. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of discussion about where we are and how can we improve and how can we get better. And I do think it's like, well, everyone needs to spend more time with each other and mm-hmm. and <laughs> and enjoy the things that humans enjoy together which is laughing i mean it sounds yeah. uh, laughing and cocaine you just made me agree to that i was like yep 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 oh no yeah. that's the headline and when i do that when i do the uh, re-editing i am a big user of cocaine okay come out <laughs> come out this is not the place this is not the time there, or the place there is no drug that i am not tried oh my god um <laughs> I'm down for the party. Oh, no. <laughs> Who says that anymore, Kamau? <laughs> Anybody got some? Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I do feel like even coming over here today uh, to this to this uh, studio, which has been boiled and scrubbed of coronavirus, I uh, was really looking forward to talking to you. And I thought we're always passing each other. We've done it. There's a few times we've had an opportunity to talk. But one of the things I really love about the podcast is really getting to spend some time with someone I admire and who I know is going to make me laugh and I'll feel better afterwards. Uh, And so uh, I thank you for that. It's really was the whole idea of this podcast is very selfish, which is I I just want to (laughs) I want to force people uh, to hang out with me who I really like. And uh, so I I'm I'm really thrilled that you were able to do this. I mean, it was uh, happy to do it. I've been wanting to do it since it first came out because I also felt like talking like this is so much better than when you see people out in the world or we're on your show or whatever. Like this is the kind of way that you feel like you really get to know somebody. And as I've said before, you're you're someone who I've looked at is like, that's the that's the way to do it. That's the way to have integrity in your career. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I uh, I'm sure you also admire me physically as a physical specimen. Oh, Certainly, that's a part of it. I'm po- I'm pitching myself as a side piece, <laughs> and it's been an honor to be the guest on the very last episode of Friend Me Friend. I can't because I am now friend. So goodbye, everybody. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. You, Show's wrapped up. You had, I'm you had a great career. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. thank you so much for doing this. And like it or not, you are my friend. And um, down. and you're allowed to bail at any point. As son will, oh, yeah. will tell you, it gets really irritating really fast. <laughs> it's true. Well, as an only child, I'll leave at any time. <laughs> you'll talent, ju- you'll so. just ghost me, right? Go, uh, yeah, I'll just ghost you. Yeah. All right. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk again someday, friend. like to address an issue uh you contacted me no please this is not me reprimanding you in any way uh people sometimes forget when they listen to the podcast that uh, you do work for me yes it can probably come across in the podcast that uh that i work for you or that we're somehow <laughs> equals <laughs> no you do work for me and yes. uh, the other day you contacted me and this has happened uh, i think in the past uh, so the scenario you went to a gas station i went to a gas station mm-hmm. and i 
took my wallet out and mm-hmm. I put it on top of my car. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to myself, don't forget your wallet's on top of your car. Mm-hmm. I forgot my wallet was on top of my car. Oh, no. I drive off. And then in, like about an hour later, I go in to get my wallet and it's just not there. So it's gone. Normally you'd think, oh, that's too bad for Sona. But let me tell you something, dear listener. This is bad news for me because oh, Sona God. has my credit card. Yes. She has my credit card, a copy of my credit card, so that when she buys something for me, a certain medication that older men need. What? Like, um, wait, what? Well, I don't know, some sort of cream or balm uh, <laughs> that an older gentleman uh, who's failing needs uh, to rub into certain areas. Oh, when, my God. When you, those are some of the things you need to buy me, right? Uh. You know, or a special seat that raises the, the toilet higher so I can get to it. What? I'm having, Wait, what? I don't know. I'm projecting ahead in this into the future like two years. You know, like you mean? buy things for me all the time with my credit card. So my credit card was, was missing. Yes. And I was in the midst of trying to buy something on Amazon. Uh-huh. And you said uh, grab bars just so I could get into the shower. <laughs> Wait, what? Nobody needs to know these things. I think people should know that although I appear very youthful, I was born in 1914. Uh, had a lot of work done. But anyway, um, you told me the cards, the cards, uh, I lost my wallet. I left it on top of my car. And then I think you, you said you drove around and you did donuts and wheelies and parking lots and stuff. And you. Yeah, I did. A, I drag raced. Yeah, you drag raced. Yeah, I, you're, and my, and, I and drifted. You drifted. <laughs> you did the old Tokyo drift. I did. Uh, a lot of people don't know Sona is a street racer. Yes. And their only problem is she often leaves her wallet on top of the car. And she street races in a Kia. Um, by the way, a little shout out for Kia. We're not getting paid for that. That's free money for Kia you. Kia near a hybrid. Yeah, that's right. You that went for hybrid the, life. You went for the hybrid because that thing can drift. Anyway, you go off zipping around, right? Yelling out your window. Yeah. Uh, and and doing wheelies. And the wallet goes flying off somewhere. We don't yeah. know where. Yeah. And it's got a card on it that has... My it goes right to my bank. Two cards. Two. Oh, well, because two. One goes to your personal, and the other one is my corporate <laughs> card, which goes to your corporate entities. Right. Oh, so, right. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. right. And various corporate entities. Your what corporate am I, Mister? What am I, Montgomery Burns? <laughs> yes, you are. Actually, <sighs> oh, my money. Ah, yes, the Smithers. Smithers. <laughs> Look at this Sona. I like the cut of her jib. <laughs> Sir, you've been working with Sona for well over uh, 10 years. I don't recall. Um, (laughs) And you said, I now have to blow, I've just blown up all your credit cards. And I was right in the midst. Actually, I was, I know what I was buying. Mm -hmm. I was buying a rash guard. Okay. I was. I was buying one of those things you wear in the ocean because I I do a lot of swimming these days and it keeps you from uh, getting sunburned. Yeah. You know, the surfers wear them. Sorry. I'm I'm sorry. So I lost you blew my- that up because I couldn't get my rash card. Yeah. And now, if you lose Conan O'Brien's card, oh god, you know you're putting Conan O'Brien in jeopardy. You know, yeah. you're putting Conan O'Brien's family in jeopardy and his finances in jeopardy. And I want to know how you're going to make this right. Here's the thing: it's not the first time. Oh no 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 no! This has happened many times and always with hilarious scenarios. Yeah, I want to say really- it's it's happened less than like maybe six months ago. I lost my whole wallet. Yes, you've lost purchase. your wallet since I've known you about nine times. Yeah. And it's always a story like, um, you know, when you are at the carnival and uh, you go on that thing that drops you really fast. I wanted to see what it was like if the wallet would fall faster or I would fall faster. So as it was about to drop, I threw my wallet in the air and then I couldn't find it afterwards and nine of your cards were in there mm-hmm. plus the only original copy of your birth certificate yes sorry you know what you make jokes but one time my my laptop was stolen it wasn't password password protected and every single one of your contacts were just in there now fortunately I have, as we've established, I have very few friends. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was really bad. I actually yeah. got really nervous about that one. Yeah, no, no, no. But it wasn't, it's not like I had A-list celebrities in there. Mm. And I, well, whatever, you know, I'm really close with Charlize Theron. Oh. We're very close friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if it's more than that, that's whatever. I don't know who put that out there. I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's Char- Charlize Theron. And then on parentheses, it says someday something could happen, even though I'm married and she uh, isn't really close with me and has no interest. It yeah. says, And it's that. not her number. It's like your mom's number. 
Yeah, but my mom answers, and those are good calls. Those are good conversations. I was like, hello? Well, I don't know who that is, but do you know Conan? Oh, yes. Well, Conan, well, let me tell you something. He took a long time to toilet train. I'd get calls from his college dean that he had soiled the bed. It sounds like you were raised by Ronald Reagan. Well, 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 well. My mother did once... uh, she once came into my room when I was a kid and she said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And I was like, Mom, what are you talking about? Well, well. Uh, yeah. So what anyway, are you going to do? What's the solution? Yeah, how do we do this? I mean, first of all, you blow up the card, right? So the card is worthless to whoever finds it and tries to extort us. Everything is wor- in it is really worthless, I think. You know, they can't even steal my identity because it's an old address on my license. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah. are there any, is there anything in your wallet that could be harmful to me that if found, like, you have some, some information about me that would be very embarrassing, I'm sure. No, because I uh, lose my wallet often, I downsized it, and so now it's very easily replaceable anytime I lose it. So you basically made it so that your wallet is something you can throw away at the end of every day. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. The one thing that I really do miss is my Costco card, but that I have, I can just go and replace it, but yeah. any, nothing else is I, mean, I think Costco will be very happy to give you another card. Why? Why? They want you to go there and buy <laughs> a, a box of Raisin Bran that's the size of a refrigerator. <laughs> I don't know why people need a box of Raisin Bran that's the size of a refrigerator, but apparently that's what America wants. I love Costco. <laughs> yeah. You know what I love about Costco? They get the amounts right. They give you a lot of something. Mm-hmm. This is something my wife does that makes me crazy. She's, you know, she's a wasp. She's grew up in this sort of... Uh, Episcopalian family where they all ate the right amount of food <laughs> and they purchased an appropriate amount of food that oh, would sustain monsters. them for for that day and then they appreciated it and they ate all of it and it was done and they weren't full like too full bullshit yeah. that's not how I grew up yeah. my mom she would go to the grocery store and just buy all this shit and then she would come and throw it in the way they throw meat into a into a lion you know <laughs> den of like nine <laughs> oh, lions at the zoo and we would all tear at it and gnash at it and we wouldn't even take the packaging off we'd just be like she'd just throw a giant thing in there like a ham that needs to be cooked and we'd just start pawing and ripping at it yeah when she introduced us to our youngest uh, Justin we started eating him we thought yeah we thought it was food and she was like no that's your newborn brother he's 10 years younger than you Conan and I was like and that's why he still has a well, he's, he's got a mangled right arm. Uh, okay. My point is, yeah. my wife, she will go to the store and she'll come back and she'll buy, find, she'll buy this, these great potato chips and it'll be in this little bag. My wife does that too. Yes, thank you. And if thank there's you. a food in the house that I want to eat that she doesn't want to eat, I have to keep it hidden from her in my office because what? because she like will bottles eat of it. vodka no, that, that's a different story yeah <laughs> just yeah. giant bottles of vodka that's called yeah. alcoholism gorley is it oh god I have to it's not it her fault then. because it's a food i like called vodka <laughs> and i need to hide it from her no but but so you hide your food well, from your it's wife it's not me hiding it because i want to keep it from her she says you need to take these cuz i will eat them but I can't keep food that I like in a pantry where it normally will be. I don't understand. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't fully either. It's like a cookie. Let's say there's a bag of cookies that I want to eat. She won't let me keep it in the pantry because she's afraid she'll eat it. What's, why can't oh. she have a cookie? Because she doesn't want to eat them, but she won't be able to stop herself. <sighs> oh. I get it. I get okay, it. Okay, well, this is the problem. My wife's also one of those people, and it's infuriating, who she eats all kinds of stuff, and she just always looks amazing. And I'm made of, um, what's the word genetically? A shit. <laughs> I'm made of shit. And so... Uh, <laughs> And so she's always saying, oh, I got you a treat. I got you, you know, some cheese. Po- my weakness is cheese popcorn. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is my weakness. Um, she'll, she'll find mm-hmm. a kind of cheese popcorn where they put nine popped kernels in a bag, a very small bag. And it says, made with love in Portland. <laughs> it's Jeremiah and Charlotte's <laughs> cheese popcorn. Eight kernels are popped and put in wrapping it costs much more than the actual corn. <laughs> and then it's lovingly sold to your wife 
who gives it to her husband, who eats it in one mouthful. I just, oh. You've seen me eat. I'm a monster. It is horrifying. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like she's just looking out for you. How dare she? Uh, right? Well. I, mean, I know. My God. I'm an adult. Wives. I should make my own decisions. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, did they get my Costco card when they stole your Costco card? What? No, you don't go to Costco. I was trying to. What were you trying to do? I don't know. Just sort of act like I'm, more like, you know, like, down with the people. Oh, no, no one, no one bought it. I had a Costco card about ten years ago, but I'd go in there and people were like, "Oh my God, it's really him!" You know, kiss me, kiss me, and I, I can't do that. That's oh. weird. I've gone in public places with you. No one's ever said that. It only happens at Costco. They think you're the Costco version of Conan O'Brien. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a Trader Joe's version of Conan. There's like a really high-end... Uh, a pavilion. A pavilion's uh, version of Conan. Oh, yeah. And I am the Costco version of Conan. <laughs> I am oversized. No one's that thrilled about me, but there's a lot of me. <laughs> there's a lot of me, and I last a long time. And I don't mean sexually, because I don't. No one thought that when you no, said I last no a long one, time. No one, and now we are. I know, I think that's it. the way I said it, too. And I last a long time. No one who lasts a long time says, I last a long time. <laughs> oh, I'll have you know. Um, wow. Well, huh? What huh. happened? What? Huh? Okay. I don't know. Anyway, please be careful with your next wallet. I will try. All right. Well, well uh, yeah, I am probably going to lose my wallet again, but right. uh, yeah, I'll try not to. Do me a favor. Um, just, just, I don't care what happens to your cards. I, I really don't. Oh, um, thank you but when for it your comes, concern. Well, okay. Whatever. Um, yeah, it's nice of you. No empathy. Care. But anyway, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Can't feel for others. Sociopath. Oh, yes. Mm, well, whatever. Mm, yes. Okay. Mm, mm, small truths. Like we said. Okay. Mm, yes, right. I say things yes. true quickly. Okay. Whenever. Yeah. Mm, no caring. Don't okay. care about Sona. Just right. myself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, my card must be safeguarded. And you've got to do something. Okay. Because I'm a national treasure. And if my card's missing, oh, it's like you lost the nuclear codes. Oh, oh, is it the same thing? Pretty much. Is it though? So you don't care about anything else in my wallet. You don't care about my insurance card, my license. You just care That's about your 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 credit card. Let me be very clear about this. If it affects me directly, I care. Oh, okay. If it doesn't, I don't feel anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't good. feel anything inside. That's normal. Yeah. Yeah. I watch those commercials on TV, those PSAs where they show like, oh, this animal was, you know, needs a home. And I just, I'm looking at it. I'm like, why are they showing this? I feel nothing. (laughs) I feel nothing inside. That's good. That's why I make so many noises and talk all the time. To cover up the lack of a soul. I think this is going to be a good season. (laughs) (laughs) I quit. (laughs) Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.